With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Somewhere along the line, fans have to take a stand. If you moan but turn up anyway, you continue to be taken for Joes. The Hamden semi-final decision clearly indicates contempt for supporters. Safe and knowledge, folk will moan but loyalty will win. Five minutes ago, 15 retweets, 42 likes. still on boys the treble is still on welcome to the Dennis Scottish Football Podcast Thursday edition my name is Joel Sked and I am joined by Duncan McCann hello and Gary Cocker you won't have the treble when you're chucked out of the cup for the disgraceful behaviour that's going to happen <laughs> that Sunday evening you know, you know. I put out a tweet last night. Yep, it was me from the Terrace account saying, "Well, I wonder which game we're going to talk about first. And then the SPFL come out and announce the semi-finals on the same, uh, the same day at the same venue. They, they're thinking, "Oh, that's what the Terrace will lead with." Nope, we're still going to stick with the famous, the Gordy Gagansians, the Jambo Juggernaut, the Tynecastle Typhoon. Stop it! <laughs> we Duncan's went, almost <laughs> vibrating in the seat here. With nah, that. I, like, no, I'm no, not. Ju- fine. <laughs> um, that's nice. It's nice for you to get a wee trip out to Hamden. It's been it's been a few years for you, so that be that be nice. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you're, uh, you, you, it's not been a while, but the the jubilation that some of your fans were treating a trip to Hamden uh, made made me think. Oh. That's uh, that's small time. Can I just ask what what is Hamden? <laughs> I've, I've heard of this mythical place, but for a time it has been known as Easter Road West, but uh, <laughs> not this year, sadly. It's been five long years since we've been uh, Hearts have been since you Hamden fucked it against Saint Mary. So, uh, yeah, it's true, and it's been four years since we fucked it against Inverness in the semi final, <laughs> and we got uh, on penalties by nine man Inverness, <laughs> and we've seen Hibs. I think Hibs have been to Hibs have been eight, there all the time. I think they've been to eight semi finals in the last. Seven years, yeah. it was something like that. Between them and Aberdeen, they've been a, a ridiculous amount of semi-finals. So let us have our moment in the sun, That's and good, yeah. it's just not going to be a moment. It's going to be a season. 
It's going to be season filled with trophies or bodies. Either way, we were we were, <laughs> we were, we were to find we were saying this outside uh, before <laughs> before you met us. Uh, the four semi finalists. There is potential for all of these teams to go into meltdown at some point during the season, and none of the four teams' fan bases are prepared for it. Like either, like the it will not react well to it at all. No, like, definitely not. I think like, that's- you're already seeing that at Hearts with like people booing off at the Livy game, and and even there was some. It seemed like there was maybe maybe it was just a a, a snapshot, but there mm. seemed to be uh, quite a few people at the game last night quite quickly to get on the back of the team, which is odd. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought it up because I, that was one of that was one of the points I was going to make. So uh, getting straight into the the Betfred Cup action, we will come and talk about the the decision <laughs> yeah. uh, soon enough. But yeah, the heart started really well, but there was a, it was it was almost there was like a hangover, as if um, Saturday's game hadn't finished. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Saturday's game hadn't finished, and it was like it was like the last 10, 15 minutes of that game. Uh, the Hearts fans were impatient. The players were impatient, and in a way. To start with, that was good. It was like, right, let's just get this fucking over and done with and job done. But they had two um, two headers cleared off the line or two efforts cleared off the line, and then Curtis Main scored the penalty. Uh, I've not seen, I've not, I've seen the, the goals back, but I've not seen the the penalty incident back. From where I was standing, his arm uh, at the game, the arm, his arm did look a bit. And uh, it's one of those the handball rule still baffles me, but it still looked like in a position where. Um, it's a Hugh Anglin for a on sports sound there <laughs> <laughs> flagging up your own ignorance yeah. <laughs> come on let, let me have the handball right? that's just, that's nonsense. <laughs> however once Curtis Main has scored that's where the crowd turned it yeah. got really yeah. antsy and it was almost it's almost as if the the crowd want to uh, want to get behind the players but they're still not quite there in terms of trusting them or it's just because Hearts fans are really impatient and uh, <laughs> a they, bunch of dicks. <laughs> yeah, they're true. So it's uh, it's probably probably more of the latter that fed onto the pitch, and it was a kind of continuation of the Livingston game in that there was a lot of misplaced passes, a lot of indecision, kind of people not sure. The formation didn't help. It was a strange one. When I seen it on um, when I seen it before the game, I thought it was going to be a three-five-two. However, he played four-four-two with Arnold Jume on the left. Oh, interesting. Yes, <laughs> your reaction says, "Oh, your reaction was the same as my reaction." And of course, you had the perfect player for that, Craig White, and cup ties. Yes, he. Did. Otherwise, you'd have just strolled it. I uh, I turned my phone on on Saturday. I couldn't get uh, a live stream of the game, so. Um, I just went back beside the pool and came and turned my phone on, and Craig Whiting was not uh, was was getting a lot of abuse on my Hearts group chat. Well, at least we got some money out of it. <laughs> but yeah, Jim White left as a Jim White unusual. left. Yeah, it was, and it was it was strange. I thought he had not he was usually up for the game, but he just knew that he was angling to get into the centre midfield, and he did that. He's like, I'm here, but I want to be over there, yeah. and he saw that with the goal. When uh, with Gil Bigger and Manor, it was Jim who, who kind of sacked him. Uh, he spotted an opportunity, uh, pinched the ball, and that's how the equaliser came about. I saw Graham give uh, was, and I think my other fans saying that Bigger and Manor had a had a poor game. He did. He was he was very wasteful with his with his passing. But with the goal, I thought he was um, not hung out to dry by his by his teammates, but they could have helped him. He should. He was facing his own goal. 
and they could see it was under pressure and everyone just kind of looked at him rather than trying to make an angle for him to pass it and then, then clear it because essentially I had two options kick out for a corner or kick out for a throw probably should have went for the throw because yeah. <laughs> to me he had plenty of opportunities because it wasn't as if he was he was on the ball stalled for a second and then was robbed he had the ball for about five seconds mm. and he was just sort of aimlessly trying to find his way it was a very unmotherwell like goal to concede but in the, in the build up uh, Robinson was saying that he wanted to play less basically he wanted to play less football and get back to um, no nonsense like, be, like you've I can't go to play to your strengths eh? like why would you disarm yourself like yeah. I was reading um, there was uh, a breakdown of Motherwell's start to the season on the 2.1 and I was having a look at the stats for their defence and attack and actually their attack is still performing roughly the same as it did last season but its defence is allowing something like eight more chances at game. Or it's uh, it's got, I think it's eight less interceptions per game on average. And that's not overly surprising when no. you consider Cedric Keeper. They've lost Cedric Keeper mm. and Charles yeah. Dunn, uh, uh, the two quickest and probably most powerful defenders in the, in the back line. And now you've got McHugh um, has been playing there. Hartley was out last night and Liam Donnelly. Uh, I think I keep getting him and Gillespie the sub-goalkeeper I think Gillespie's the sub-goalkeeper mixed, mm. mixed up Donnelly Robinson mentioned about his pace coming in but then you saw with the towards the end of the game he got outpaced by uh, Stephen Naismith for the uh, he couldn't catch him for the, the, the fourth goal so there is not a lot of, a lot of pace in that Motherwell back line I really need to go back and watch the game again because I came away with it thinking Motherwell were pants and um, feel free Motherwell fans to, to at me abuse but I, I, it might just be my, my, my bias I, there as a, as a supporter but there was a lot of praise for them however I, I, I didn't see what they offered too much they, they had a spell when when we talked about um, Hearts getting really Hearts fans getting impatient but they were lacking again in, you, when you talked about the attack I don't see them breaking down teams other than running through them and I thought Hearts after a while stood up to that uh, physical threat of Bowman and Main. Tanner's obviously missing Cadden just gone off a, on a, off, off a cliff Grimshaw was played uh, I think he was the highest of the three midfielders odd yeah. Yeah, if your facial expressions <laughs> turned into uh, <laughs> into audio they'd be like if only there was, a, like, if only there was a visual medium for the, <laughs> yeah. For the terrace yeah where, we, where, where our faces could be planted across the country mm. <laughs> in terms of before we move on um, in terms of hearts um, I'll just I'll keep going before we move on, uh, move on to the next game they there were some excellent performances Michael Smith has been fantastic this season I think he is he's one of those underrated um, and almost underappreciated players who is like 7 out of 10 but recently he's, he's up to 8 out of 10 so consistent he set up the goal uh, with that the, the pass to Ollie he went up to the third goal uh, which was fantastic build up to Ollie Lee uh, who again was uh, instrumental alongside Hay- uh, Haring in, in the midfield and Stephen McLean was uh, had, his, had his moments he's such an intelligent striker however there was one guy beside me when it went uh, when it went 1-0 Motherwell and McLean made a made a mistake. He was going absolutely mental because he had green boots on. It's like get those fucking green boots off you. Because <laughs> that was the issue. Um, was it Ollie Lee who provided the pass for Naismith's yes. goal at the end, which was fantastic. Better, yeah. On first glance, it looked a little bit like he was just punting it. 
uh, to get rid of it. But it was actually a very precise uh, pass-up. It was very similar to the chance that Livingston had against Hearts at the weekend as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, Lee has... He's, he's, he's not... When I saw him, when he was at Luton, he had a lot of criticism about his defensive, the defensive aspect. But he's came up here, and I think he's embraced the physical, uh, physical side of it. And he is, he's a big laddie, and he, he's, he's got a great, um, kind of great vision. Also, word on the um, Morrison and Mitchell, Dimitri Mitchell, great player, not a fullback, <laughs> absolutely not a fullback. You saw it with the the blowing goal; it was uh, he was kind of mm. caught sleeping, and it just went in his space. Morrison is a very unusual winger. I mean, well, he's, he's, his first name's Callum with an N, <laughs> N for Nigel. It's, it's still uh, still amusing me. However, he's 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 chaos. He's chaos. He, he's direct, and um, his crossing is a bit erratic. But there's a really promising player in there. But the main thing is, uh, Hearts march on to to, to Hamden, where they will <laughs> face um, they'll, they'll, they'll face Celtic, yes. who came through against St Johnson one 0 But I deserve one. Uh, I mean, Celtic reminded me of Dundee. It was just um, the first half in particular. It was just a lot of. Mindless passing. Mm-hmm. It was possession for the sake of possession. Sideways. There wasn't a lot. really a lot. I thought that reintroducing McGregor might allow them to exploit that space, uh, as McGregor tends to do. But there just wasn't really all that much happening. They did dominate the first half, and you would say the second half too. But St. Johnson had plenty of chances. Not just the chance there at the very end. They had oh, a only, few other opportunities. Uh, that was that being. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't a great deal. Bain didn't really have a great deal to do. Like, you know, St. Johnson were, were compact. They knew, it's, uh, they yeah. knew they'd turned up and they knew it's, and then they were trying to frustrate Celtic. And to a degree, it it, it, it worked, uh, you know, to the extent that Celtic went down to 10 men, albeit probably about 10 minutes too early for St. Johnson to take, uh, too late for St. Johnson mm-hmm. to take advantage. Um, I, yeah, Celtic were. were just incredibly lacklustre. Like there was just there was, I, I don't know. I mean, you could maybe say the argument is all these games catching up on them in terms of the the squad hasn't really been refreshed. You know, and they're now deep into what well, they've now started the Europa League campaign. And I, to, to to agree, I can take that point, but the, you should have a wee bit more. But like I mean, that's if that is your issue, then. The League Cup game is exactly the sort of time to blood youngsters that don't have any fear, that want to go out and impress a little bit, one or two, just just to to mix things up as opposed to a, a tired first team or first eleven because there wasn't really that many. Um, I mean, aside from from Bain goals, like it was a, a fairly strong team yeah, that, was, put, yeah. that Celtic put out, but it was it was it it was a side going through the motions, um, and then suddenly there was a I think. In the last twenty minutes, a realization: Oh shit, we don't want to be here another half an hour. And so there was that. There was it, you wouldn't even say it was. They went up a gear, but still into into third. Or you know, it was, it, and then and Griffiths is off form. I don't care. I mean, the the the, the kind of post rationalization because he got one goal. Um, he got about one goal from from what, so eight many. Yeah, from eight, like that. And, and Griffiths did that 
when he was at Hibs in the first spell, like he was snatching at things. He was like he was too desperate to score, and that's uh, and he missed a lot of good chances that in, in that era. So it's not it's not anything new to him. And the, the might he might come good again, but he, I thought he was pretty desperate. And just by virtue of scoring a goal, I don't. I don't, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't write for me what was a more worrying performance in the sense that his decision making is questionable. Like his is he's not choosing to make the right passes. He's choosing to shoot early to get the shot away because he's he's so desperate to score. And he did that he's, against Albania as well. Yeah, you know, there you, you can see it in his game. Yeah. Like he wants to play the whole time, Do you think, and he kind of wants it too much sometimes. And I think it kind of, it's born out of our insecurity that I think there's this this definite idea that he's not that if I was him, I would be kind of pissed off in terms of the amount of goals that he's delivered. Is that but, why? Is that why you think he's um, he is he's he's being kind of greedy or snatching at things? Is because he feels he feels that he needs to right. I need to always score um, in a game, yeah, yeah, yeah. game to so I'm, so I'm not dropped effectively. Yeah, as opposed to what the smart thing would be to, is to play well and show that you can play well, mm-hmm. not necessarily scoring. But um, I don't think it would be unfair to suggest that uh, being smart is not necessarily. Lee Griffith's like modus operandi like you know there's, 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 um, there's, he is a very instinctual player and person uh, that does that follows his own rules but um, yeah a very, like, I just uh, odd, I, odd thing from Roger, uh, Rogers Broj uh, beforehand to, to come out with this China stuff um, I think I think there's definitely more to it than, than he was letting on he um, is bordering on Ian Caffo territory in terms of his interviews, there was one on Sunday after the Kilmarnock game where it's becoming a parody, isn't it? Like yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was. He was asked. It was asked the simple questions like how, basically, um, how do you go about getting out of this? Rather, than, the stock answer, of course, is just get to the training ground, keep working, uh, it'll, it'll come. And then he stuttered, and he sounded like me on podcasts most of the time. <laughs> and he, does, he, he wasn't sure where he was going, yeah. what he was saying. Like uh, he just, he, he just went to pieces. Uh, so. That is definitely something I'm looking forward to seeing play out. Uh, the more Celtic, the more Celtic struggle. If they struggle, yeah. Uh, going back to the, I completely agree in terms of their. They had a lot of sterile possession. The first half, certainly the first half, they were like missing a, a, a spark. They're slow and punch. It kind of happens to you. See it happen to teams who are possession based and they, they get a bit stale no well, you can't keep the intensity up then it's no. not, you're not used to not having possession so you just, have, you just retain it for and circulate it rather than do anything with it it's a bit simplistic to say oh Stuart Armstrong is the uh, reason that they've, the, no, they've it, missed it, that spark but he is certainly a reason that they're um, that they're struggling or certainly a replacement for him so mm-hmm. you saw it with it took until the 45th minute 46th minute I think where uh, Callum, uh, Callum McGregor yeah. mm-hmm. broke, the, broke the lines and I'm not seeing that in Celtic for the last few few games yeah. it's almost as if that as soon as that happened they came out the second half like alright we can actually break down St Johnson I mean that's that, that, when it's games like that what you're looking for is you're, well, in, is you're looking for your centre halves to start taking the ball out and you because you see it even at the top level teams don't really know how to deal, deal with a, a centre half coming out with a ball and trying and try, taking people on um, but, you, but that, you wouldn't do that with Jack Hendry when he comes on cause I was going to actually say he did that magnificently for Dundee but, yeah, what, it was fantastic, but whatever Celtic have done to him has just ruined that element of his game um, I mean everything seemed to be set up for him for, to go into the next level or for there, well I was going to say for there to be a, an absolute shambles uh, going Celtic's way because uh, Ayer went off injured possibly and, six weeks 
Oh, six weeks. Uh, uh, Roger said last night on Celtic TV, he got interviewed. And said, he says his hamstring could be looking at four or six weeks if, if so. So that's so he's out. Simunovic, no one's heard MIA here for him. Benkovic so, has an Achilles problem. So, so uh, they. I mean, so it's Hendry, Hendry and Comper. Uh, could be Hendry and Comper against Hearts in the semi final. Uh, before t- uh, yeah that's going to be interesting uh, before we move on to Rangers air uh, just a word on, on St Johnson they were a lot more competitive than they were certainly at the weekend against Rangers do you think they might be looking back at it as like a missed opportunity because Celtic I mean they did so like I think teams now can sit in and frustrate Celtic and they're not going to just uh, um, whereas Celtic would eventually kind of pick uh, pick teams open uh, they're finding it a lot harder to do that yeah but St Johnston, you think they just missed the trick in terms of upping it and maybe going at Celtic a bit more? Yeah, I, I, think, think, I mean, what going off was probably the the, uh, the, the, the they don't they don't have any X factor aside from what, and so I think when he went off, it was it was a case of if we're going to if we're going to win this, it's going to have to be an absolute fucking monumental balls up from Celtic or it's going to be sort of a set piece or something that's worked like I said you know that's, that's, that's worked because I don't there's no um, like I said there's no spark to, Saint, to House St. John's but it's very methodical it's very structured and that is fine because that's exactly what they're trying to do for straight but you saw it as soon as as soon as Celtic scored you're suddenly the, the, it just St. John's still looked like a team bereft of like oh shit we're not going to score the one person I've got who could have done something would have been Danny Swanson um, and I mean, but for my money, something that St John's could have done is just target Hendry. Yeah. Um, after he was on, because everyone knows that he's bereft of confidence yeah. at the moment, uh, that he's the weak link. There was one point when I think the ball just ricocheted off him at an awkward angle, which created half a chance for St Johnson as well. Um, I think they'll definitely look back on Bain's brain fart. Yeah, Bain fart. Uh, um, because he, I mean, it was a totally harmless ball that. I think it was Hendry that was underneath it was going to deal with and Shogun but, yeah. but then Bain just comes rushing out of his goal and had that gone on target or had you know had they managed to get that on target or had was it Shaughnessy that was in the middle I think so yeah um, had he just gambled and just chucked himself at it it would have gone in and you could have seen St Johnson building on that right we'll, uh, just just before we move Rangers uh, to go to Ibrox uh, Dedrick Bayata is a very frustrated man He's yeah. a silly Billy. That was he, uh, he, he showed at Iyer in the first half as well when uh, Iyer wasn't making an angle for a pass. He went mental. I mean, there's been a lot of Celtic fans saying, "Oh, since when can you get a red card for dissent?" And the answer is, you cannot. But you can get a red card for furler abusive the fact language. That their own manager has said yeah. he deserved a red, basically deserved yeah. a red card. And when, when he got sent off, he saw Brown just basically shrugging his yeah. shoulders and going, "Well, Dedrick's Dedrick." Right. Um, Rangers for Air United now. Anyone? Anyone seen any highlights? Any highlights anywhere? No, um, I went on the Daily Record website because they had a video, but the video was 20 seconds of still pictures. So no, um, I think actually um, I realised slightly too late that the Air United YouTube channel apparently oh, has course. highlights up. I forgot um, to so, check that. They've, they've got, they usually have... Um, yeah. Quite in depth, in depth highlights. Um, I mean, from so from no, off, so no, no, so no, <laughs> yeah. no. It's a, but I mean, a, beating, a, team. beating a championship team at home four 0 
Um, Rangers are back. I know. Um, the only uh, thing of note, really, is that Morelos got himself a very stupid yellow card, yes, so, which means that as much as Celtic will have defensive issues in the semi, Rangers will either have to go with Umar Sadiq or I don't. Jamie Murphy. They could have played him up top. But he's injured. Gerard was not complimentary so. in the slightest of uh, Omar Sadiq. I'm not surprised. Watching him, he just he, he doesn't. He looks like a Rangers recruitment has been very good this this season. He looks like the one player who's kind of almost exception to the rule. He, I think he is um, erratic. Vitesse manager when he was there, I think that's what he scored. Was it Nat Bader or Vitesse? Um, someone in Holland. He scored a few goals, but the uh, the manager said you have to keep on him. He's, he's far too laid back, and he looks weird. They could always just sign Stephen Calker. He played a few games up top for Liverpool. Yeah, that's him. Oh, maybe just like, literally on a one-game deal. That, that I reckon that's uh, Rogers' next parent. <laughs> no, he signed. He signed for someone. Cocker is not. No, he's he was on trial at Wigan. He's oh. on trial at Wigan. He could sign for Celtic. That'd be magical. Him and Celtic him. and Rangers going head to head to try and get a signature for the semi-final. One more play centre back. One more play up front. <laughs> Uh, possibly he might just uh, have to rearrange it I'm trying to think their options there's not really anyone wide I was, the only one I was thinking of was would maybe Candace yeah. just an intelligent player or he could a, stick a, to try a, and bring people Jarium, uh, maybe Glenn Middleton uh, the way reading people's um, thoughts on him he could be pushing for a start he, he looks like a boulder <laughs> like a really good boulder He's just he's he gets he's, similar to what I said about Morrison. He's just he gets on the pitch and he just wants to go forward and attack players. It's really he is like your typical young winger, eager, and I think he's uh, definitely one to um, keep an eye on the ne- next few days. But the, again, w- w- there's not much to say about Rangers. That was they they're they're, they're on up under Gerrard. The banter of yours is um, sadly coming to a close. We believe on field. You never know what off field they're yeah. going to do. Dave came with Dave King around, but on field, um, I think under Gerrard they've got their uh, they've got their house in order. I think the um, the slightly scary thing, at least for fans of struggling Premiership teams like myself, is that whenever Rangers do go on the attack and it's picked up on sports scene, they they look like they could almost score at will. Yeah. Um, and Gerrard's clearly got a bit of a, a ruthless streak where he's not content to just sit back on. Say a 2 0, 3 0 lead. That's the thing, they, they scored uh, the most goals in the league last season, they scored the most goals in the league so far this season. The difference is they've uh, shut, um, the Gerrards came in that, and yeah. uh, made a massive difference to the back line. They will play and uh, no doubt beat Aberdeen in the semi final. <laughs> Aberdeen, somehow, I'm still struggling to get my head around, uh, I'm guessing you are as well, Duncan, how Aberdeen got through against Hibs because they are Drek. They are. Not enjoyable to watch no, in the slightest. No. Um, the very much starts from the premises. We've got a nil nil here. Let's not do anything to fuck this out up. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I mean, I, that's, like, I'm not like I, like I, there's, there's been a lot of hits. <laughs> Fans uh, covering themselves in glory as ever. I've been like, oh well, you know, aesthetically we were a better team. Yeah, we were. We didn't get like it didn't, doesn't really matter. Is this but the hips class line coming out? Well, here? yeah, a little bit potentially. Um, but it's, but I'm still in no doubt in my mind. Yeah, a nice trip to Hamden because I have to watch that the rest of the season. What what Derek McInnes is punting out there? I'd be like, no, thank you. Like it's it's. Oh, it's ag- like it is, it's literally is agricultural. Like yeah. in terms of, like it's not, like it's not enjoyable to watch. Like it's. I was trying to. I was uh, in the office working for the game, so I was watching on TV, and 
I thought it was 4-4-2, but speaking to a mate last night who was at the game, he thought it was almost 5-2-3. So basically, mm. Lowe was played as a left wing-back, and Mackay Stephen was kind of given a freeish role behind Cosgrove, or beside Cosgrove in May. Uh, but I just thought it was like a weird 4-4-2, where Lowe was right on top of Considine, and Mackay Stephen was just out on the right, so like almost like a counter-attacking threat. Why does McInnes? I know the thing is what Aberdeen got through fantastic, and they get results. That's they the thing they're always. But why there. does he choose such stupid formations and systems and uh, team selection in general? I don't. I I do not understand that. I mean, I think like it's um, yeah. It was just it was just bad to watch. Like it like it was like it's. Uh, I think you can get more of a tune out of those those players that they have. I think that's the thing. I think they are like if I was, I would say that um, some teams are greater than the, some of their parts. Aberdeen are on the other way around. I think there's a lot of players, talented players there, that somehow. I mean, admittedly, we'll, we'll remove Stevie May from that because jeez, he is that was, stinker, that like. was the, I think the two kind of thing. I, can, I need always caveat this with Aberdeen progressed, but the two things that kind of summed Aberdeen up was or epitomised May. The one thing that epitomised May was when he went through and goal an extra time. And he just, I mean, yeah. he's quite, he's like, uh, Stephen Mearson Johnson would have just burst through and if, if not burst the net, at least had a very yeah. good attempt, but he slapped it wide. And then the second one it's was... So, it's, he's, he, he just seems to lack that energy, that zip, yeah. that, um, like, I don't know, joie de vivre, you know what I mean? Like, yes, that, Yes, I, all those. The, uh, then the next one was McGinn, when he went through on goals, so, uh, this was extra time and... Even the guys in office were just bursting of kind of almost in, in, in credulous laughter. Credulous yeah. laughter, yeah, because it was so so poor. Yet they got through. I mean, it was in, in a weird way they contributed to a very fun nil nil. It was a really good game, but like, Hibs like, won a lot better. Yeah, and a lot better. They Hibs are effectively a lot better team to watch. One of the best teams yeah. to watch in the league. Yeah, they are. But I mean, I think the Hibs are still coming together. I think just yeah, the, just the virtue definitely. of. How business was done, you know, like it is, that, and and kind of the disjointed start to the season with with Europe and things like that as well. I, 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 um, but I mean, and, and frankly, we've put our money, we've put a lot of eggs into the Canberra and McLaren basket, and both of them are carrying like they're neither of them are at full fitness. You know, you can see, was really good. Though. Canberra was really good, but he still had to go off, and yeah. then then hips were complete. You you are blunted, like because frankly, like I know. People are trying to convince me otherwise. I, I, all the shows not the is not the answer to. He was, to yeah. I think he got a lot of stick after the game, and, and, like, and kind of uh, rightly so, I suppose, because he, he wasn't good enough. That if we're if we're frank about it, um, and McLaren's still injured, so I mean that's that, that, Hibs are just going to have that. Those, those are decisions that the club are going to have to live by, and that means yeah, we're not now not going to the semi finals. But having said that. I would put us in a much. I would. I, th- I would fancy our chances of get of being better than Aberdeen over yeah. the over the rest of the season. You look, so look at the sorry the the, the, the benches. The, yeah, as well. exactly. Like, the recruitment. That, I mean, the substitutions were odd decisions mm-hmm. from Lennon again. But I mean, if you're trying to do that, Lennon, like you'll be there all day. Like as you, know, you're, the game that screamed out for another for so uh, you bring you bring on a winger and then you. You've got another one on the bench, and you choose not to bring on Horgan, who has been, by all counts, terrifying. Yeah, was yeah like it was uh, to bring on Stephen Whitaker instead. Like, yeah. Um. <laughs> but the, the, I think the, the Hibs are on an upward 
trajectory. Aberdeen, yeah. not so much. And he looks, he looks. And the thing is, that if one can falter, it's not going to be a direct. Yeah. Like, it, it can't, like, and it will at some stage because you're, um, you're the, the middle of midfield, like Malin and Heinemann uh, and Milligan are not McGinn, Allen, and. Uh, and McGill, like, like, and we, like, I, we're Hibs fans have to accept that, and have we have to do things in a different way. I think Malin, I think Heinemann played. I think Heinemann and Malin both had good games. Malin especially, uh, he's really changed as. as a he's number. still really young. That's yeah. the thing. Like he is remarkably young, but uh, that unfortunately you've paid money for him, and he's played in quite a similar position. So the comparisons are always going to are always going to be there, uh, especially. I think, especially just the way that the season ended for Hibs, it ended on such a strong note with these, with with all uh, those three players having quite good games. Well, John McGinn less so in the five-five game because he gave up defending. But um, you know that, that if we weren't necessarily resigned to losing Giok and McGinn, like it was rumoured that it was going to happen, stuff like that. But so what? So I think there's still a adjustment in in how the fans are feeling about these uh, about the new players that come in, and you know, will see them as direct replacements when they when they can't be. For I mean, for all um, Hibs were Hibs were brilliant. Aberdeen, <laughs> they were brilliant, but still yeah. not. Yeah. So, still didn't score. Like you asked, know, like we didn't, we didn't make Joe Lewis do enough. And I think that's quite difficult. Um, and in Hibs' defence, is that uh, Aberdeen's bunch of farmers that make up their back line. Like they are, they are difficult to break down. Like they don't, like you do not get a lot of space. And that's what Hibs did try and play as much as possible on the wing. But Aberdeen are also, and this all sound like sour grapes, and it's not, but. They are really quite. They are a cynical team. Like you know, Shitty, led by Shinny. Yeah, Shinny. Like Shinny. Like, let's be honest. Should not have been in the park. I'm not. Like I'm not gonna. But also, I don't care. Like I am. Like smiling about this because he he did what he needed to do. Like yeah, I, I admire that. But he is sneaky and claims his innocence all the time when he is clearly just committed <laughs> committed crimes on the I pitch. I think they, they, they did play a lot of respect to Hibs, especially uh, Boyle. Uh, who, they played far too much respect to Hibs, to be honest. Like, who. Um, who I would have forgiven him the goal for the craftiness of the handball. So it was quite, it was quite. Good. But yeah, uh, Aberdeen are into into the last four, ruining uh, what would be the four biggest clubs in Scotland um, in the last four. <laughs> None of these provincial shite. Uh, <laughs> I kid, I jest. He does. He's not not much. Not, not much. Not very much. Um, so so yes. it's, no, it's, so we get we get um, slam 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 dunk Sunday or Super Sunday or. This is a proper Super Sunday, and unlike uh, English football, there's a hint of violence. Deliver! <laughs> uh, I am going to say it's going to deliver. It's going to deliver on the streets. It's going to deliver in, uh, on the ground. It's going to give, deliver on social media. And um, I am really keen to, but most of all, I'm really keen to hear what Alan Preston said. Uh, he says about it because last night I've never heard him get so uh, so excited since uh, Charlie Masson sitting next to Charlie Masson's mum. Uh, he was he was incredulous. Like we need to film the draw. We need to film the uh, where they're going to draw the venues. It's going to get to me. It's <laughs> absolutely incredible because every element of it is perfect. So you've got the draw itself. So a lot of people would have said Rangers Celtic would be worse, but then you'd have Aberdeen Hearts, which wouldn't have a bit of needle, but not much. And it wouldn't fill it wouldn't fill Hamden. Oh, naturally, you know, Dilly teams. Um but you've got Aberdeen and Rangers and Hearts and Celtic, which is probably the most the two Venomous. Yeah. The I would most, say the most venomous outside those from. Yeah, the most venomous if you think about the way that you could calibrate the, yeah. the different mm-hmm. semi final options. You've got them both being played on the same day. So yeah, imagine got, the state of the pitch. Like, yeah, like I the really, state, ho- I really. And this, hope the last this, ten minutes of uh, 
of Rangers Aberdeen is just them kicking dirt <laughs> out all of the pitch just being like oh sorry because for, for conspiracy theories it's brilliant as well because it's not because you've got the Celtic game being the later kickoff, so there is going to be conspiracy theories about you know well Celtic that, involved that's, that's, therefore there will be conspiracy that theories. sort of pitch is perfectly set up for an agricultural physical team like Hearts not our glorious European boys Celtic um because then, if they were there, they'd kick off. They'd be saying, "Oh, but we yeah. we we we're away on Europe. We're, we were away on the uh, the Thursday in Europe." And, that, and that's the other thing: is Aberdeen fans going to be complaining because they've got Aberdeen, to leave Aberdeen? Don't stop. Aberdeen, yeah. Aberdeen fans complain. will complain. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a lunchtime kickoff. It's like, yeah, just leave Aberdeen at like seven or eight o'clock in the morning. You'll be and fine. also like the, the way that is like, and I do feel for Aberdeen in the, in the degree because it can't really. Um, there's no solution. Which there's no solution. That, well, yeah, because um, because we have a joke of a public <laughs> public uh, transport network in Scotland. So, like, if it had been seven seven forty five kickoff, they still wouldn't get. They wouldn't be able to get home anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, jokes on Scotland. I have a feeling that um, they're going to have to put they have to put special trains on like they did when Hearts and Hibs played. Uh, potentially, although, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the SPFL have got this all under control. Yeah, uh, like like we're talking off here, they really should have came out before. They knew this was this was a possibility. They've known that it was a possibility for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, they should have came out and said, right, this is what's going to happen, and the eventuality that. Uh, what's happened has happened because yeah. there's not really room to move fixtures either side because there's a full midweek card before you, it and you're okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Really and, and, so, and you could I mean there are, like, so if it had been um, Hearts Aberdeen for example then you might have played at Easter Road and you'd have a bit more flexibility but then you know the fans are not going to be able to get tickets and stuff like yeah. you know like, it's like so it's, and it's again it comes down to uh, with that that's, if could have a stadium with 35 yeah that's, they didn't come with that in Sterling, in Sterling. Uh, but yeah. I mean that's uh, we just we are where we are but yeah I don't think um, the SPFL could have maybe covered themselves in a bit more glory it goes back to my point that um, we should make the League Cup a bracket uh, tournament and so you can see exactly you know exactly who you're going to play uh, all the way to the final and so uh, things like this are people know well in advance what's what's going to be expected of their team but, but you know what I'd rather this shambolic affair because <laughs> it's brilliant also, uh, I love the I love the fallout. I love um, people going. Okay. To, people already like Gary's read out. Well, you heard it at the start, but like Gary was just going through his tweet. Like some of the like some people who are paid to write about football um, having some absolutely shambolic takes on this. It's uh, like the world's coming. What's like the world's coming end? Yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, people are going to say, "Oh, I can't believe the police have done this. I can't believe the leagues have done this. I can't believe the clubs not doing this." Like, right? It's pretty simple. If no one acts like an idiot, yeah. It's going to be fine. You know, I'm not even saying don't drink. I'm just saying don't be an idiot. You know, don't get into fights. Either it's, way, it's not... it's, either way, I'm going to have my feet up watching this and unfold. We're just going to get two good games of football or an absolute shit fest on and off the pitch. And for that, <laughs> Scottish football, we thank you. Yes, it continues to deliver. We're going to move on to. We're going to look at three separate teams. So, and since Gary's on. Dundee. Right. <laughs> Take your title. Yep. Why are you so shit? <laughs> the anti Jim White question. Oh god, where to begin with this? Um it's just an absolute shambles. Um McCann, in my opinion, should have gone after the Air United game. And people would have said, Oh, it's too soon. You've got to give him time. Look at the thing that's been really annoying me is a lot of people have been saying, Look at Alex Ferguson, he got a year and a half, or however long it was at Man U, which makes no sense whatsoever. Dundee are already about 15% 
of the way through the league season with zero points. We're four points behind everybody else, which is just two games, but we're not winning. We've scored two goals in six games. We've conceded 14 goals. We don't look like we're either going to shut up shop at the back or start scoring a plenty. Um, the back pass rule had a one of the XG maps of the Dundee-Hibs game, and Dundee's XG for that game was 0. 0.07. Um, and I can't remember what Hibs was, but basically Dundee are... Shit. Yeah, terrible. Um, it's not going to get much better against Hamilton at the weekend either because um, Kalman went off injured... Kenny Miller's still suspended. Um, Musa is apparently on crutches at the moment. Now, all these are actually sound sort of positive, um, but then when you think about the fact we've got something like 14 players who look to be fit at the weekend before we start going into our reserve team. Um, so it's probably going to be Mendy and Henvey up top. Um, it's just an appalling I, state of affairs. I, I would recommend reading your post on Provy Road, uh, yeah. the Dundee, Dundee website, and I'm going to tweet it from the, the Terrace account uh, tomorrow uh, when promoting the, the podcast, just because I think it's a fantastic read. This I've taken out a couple of paragraphs, but the first one was, relegation for Dundee this season would be a disaster both on and off the park. For a club with a top six budget to be cut adrift with zero points after six games is beyond embarrassing. For a club looking to move to a new stadium and struggling to get fans through the turnstiles, Losing a battle against relegation would um, would undo years of work to return some semblance of normalcy to its governance and finances. We only have to look across the road to our neighbours to see how one bad season can detonate under what seemed like a steady ship. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah, That's a thing. It's kind of wild and rather. Well, well, when I was writing it, I thought, I've, I've got to get in a sharp elbow somewhere. Why Why are the board continuing to back them? It's a mix of things. Uh, I think the primary reason is that um, the man who's basically in charge mostly is John Nelms, um, who doesn't have that much of a footballing background. Obviously, he'll have learned through the about four or five years that FPS, Football Partners Scotland, have operated the club. Um, but I think there's a clear mentality in American sports where there's a lot more patience shown than you would expect in Scottish football, for example. Um, so I think there's that. There's clearly quite a close working partnership mm-hmm. um, between Nelms and McCann, as there was between Nelms and Hartley. Yeah, did Nelms um, have to get pushed to kind of sack Hartley? The, the rumour was that Nelms was not willing, really, to sack Hartley, because what the, what the board... If he's all unsackable, maybe he just uh, appoints people who aren't shit in the yeah. first place. Well, the thing is, what the board have done, both with um, Hartley in the first instance and McCann, and you saw it with them pursuing Jack Ross as well, is they like to appoint projects, they like to appoint young managers with a philosophy about how to do things. Hartley's philosophy was, I'll sign 20 centre mids and let's see how that goes. Um, but Neil McCann's because, philosophy is that winning games of football well, is overrated. He's dogmatic, is, he's if, too dogmatic. If, if you have a look at John Nelms' comments about McCann, he basically, it could have been written by McCann himself, he's talked about Dundee being unlucky, um, and there was another uh, part of the, the post that talks about this where the, the instances he's picking out you can understand how people could read it that way because it's things like um, if Kasunga hadn't had a moment of madness and uh, handled the ball against Aberdeen we could have got a point there if, if Jack if, Hamilton hadn't full yeah, if, if, <laughs> yeah, if Jack Hamilton hadn't slipped against St Mirren who knows we could have started off the season with a draw maybe a win if Moose had scored the penalty but for every occasion or instant that he's referring to, there's another one where Kasunga it's always Kasunga, Kasunga's had another slip or where we've relied on some opposition striker not netting what was 
an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Um, at the end of the day, luck evens out over the course of a season, even over the course of part of a season. We fully deserve to be bottom. We fully deserve to be cut adrift from everybody, and McCann fully deserves a sack. It's um, we again. We, we've just discussed the, the kind of playing aspect of Dundee yeah. a lot, uh, but there's the, there's the catastrophe of the combination of individual errors, Kusunga yeah. keep coming up, and the organisation of the team. Yeah. I think uh, two point one. They they talked about it, it was like the the most uh, the the amount of counter attacks that happen against Dundee are yeah. frightening. They were way up on last season because it's so open yeah. and the way we play. But more than anything, um, mentality. McGowan came out after the game on was it Saturday there yeah. and uh, attacked the team as if they were dressed in a collective police uniform. Uh, saying, <laughs> we're, we're fucking weak-minded as a team. We're weak-minded. We played good football in the first half. Hibs really threatened us. Looked very good. Passing the ball. The goal fucking kills us, and that's just the mentality we've got now. When we go a goal down, we fucking crumble. That's basically basically it. We crumble. Uh, blah, blah blah blah. But I'm just repeating the same shite over and over. There's clearly um, there's clearly a bit of a divide somewhere in the dressing room. I can't quite pick out where it comes, but I think somewhere in that McGarren interview, he talks about look, you don't need to be pals off the pitch to be a successful team on it. And I was like, oh, that's probably not a good thing to be reading. Um, the guy that we've got on loan from Crystal Palace, Ryan Innes, um, has talked about that as well and said, you know, it's not good enough, the mentality's not there. Um, so there's a few guys out there that you could pick out, or that I could pick out who I would, uh, who I could see being a bit vocal on the pitch or trying to G things up a bit. Elliot Parrish is one of them, for all of his mediocre to average goalkeeping. Um, he does at least try to G up the team and, you know, you can see him shouting at the defence and you can't blame him. Um, Kami Kerr is another one purely because he's a Lifelong dark blue, um, Paul McGowan because he loves screaming at people, um, and that's pretty much it. Everyone else just looks soft. You don't see a lot of talking on the pitch. There was, I can't remember again where I read it, but there was an opposition player who apparently said somebody Dundee are the quietest team I've played against this season. They don't talk to each other. They just it's like going to um, my Monday Night Fives game. You know, like none of us talk to each other because we're all very nice, polite, <laughs> middle-class professionals playing fives, and we're all very unfit. And it's like that with Dundee. Um, it's just there's no understanding, but there's no passion or there's no That's, aggression behind it. I was looking at looking at some stats, and only Hearts and Celtic have had less, less defensive fuels. That's worry for for a team who's down at the bottom where you think screen it scrap. It's like yeah. on average they have sixty one point two seven per game. Hamilton have sixteen more. They, 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 they top it um, you're giving up almost 15 shots per game yeah. per 90 minutes and weirdly only Rangers and Hearts have had uh, more possession than Dundee yeah but it's because teams know they can just give us the ball yeah. and we'll just sit passing it about um, I mean one one thing in McCann's favour is that Glenn Kamara has not been available for most of the season um, well I say it in his favour in his defence if you will because um, without him there's just no sort of metronome in midfield working out what to do trying to give the ball to people to actually take on the defence. But even his return against Hibs didn't really help matter as much. And Hibs knew that they could just sit back, watch us ping the ball about. Adil Nabi had two shots from outside the box. And that was it. Before we move on, replacement. One name. Archie fucking Knox. <laughs> it would be incredible. Um, it's probably, as uh, Craig Kieran said in the group chats, maybe not what we need um, because Archie Knox, as everybody knows, is 
um, more of a ball breaker than a Although, team breaker, I mean, shall we say. Although, I was listening to the latest Nutmeg podcast and there was someone that had written an article for Nutmeg about Archie Knox and said that um, he feels that he's that that's an unfair characterisation of it. Archie Knox himself feels it's an unfair characterisation of uh, of his coaching. I I think there's probably a body of evidence suggests otherwise, but... That, oh, but Do you want to argue with Archie Knox? Yeah, well, well, yeah, no, no, I don't. Sorry, I mean, Archie. He's, he's got to be um, a, a very good coach if he's... he's been aware of it, yeah. Man United brought him in as... Uh, yeah, twice he's been a Man United yeah. and stuff. Like, so, yeah, yeah. Um, the... I mean, again, this is all sort of 2 plus 2 equal in 78 here, but... Uh, he was seen at Dens in the director's box against Hibs with a notebook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently this notebook is like the smoking gun that's like the glove for OJ, you know. Um, so that seems to be the body of evidence. Other than him, it's the usual names getting touted. I've seen a few people touting John Hughes. Yeah, um, Robbie I've Nielsen. Seen, uh, Robbie Nielsen's been getting uh, touted as well. Um, Robbie Nielsen would be good. There's been yeah. talk of Barry Smith coming back. As, <laughs> <laughs> let me finish. As assistant to Archie Knox, so that would be a really friendly, charismatic dressing room <laughs> to be in. Um, really, I can see... If the board have any sense, they will make an interim appointment of somebody who is experienced, knows what they're doing, and have have somebody at the side ready to take over in the future. Um, James McPake has been going through all of his coaching badges um, this year, and it looks as if he's being primed by um, certain members of the board, because obviously the board's a mix. It's not all uh, the American consortium. Not all homogenous. So um, the idea seems to have always been that at some point James McPake would take it on um, because we like having young managers as projects so that could be another one and um, to be honest it's probably going to be someone that none of us have ever heard of that's what we want yeah. Yeah. right uh, we're going to do three teams but I'm going to cut it down to two just because of the SPFL announcement a bit over with the Betfred Cup games as well Duncan Elgin City yeah, doing okay-ish in League Two um, this season. Uh, I said that, and then they got scuffed by Clyde at the weekend. But uh, Elgin being shite at the um, Rape Apologist Arena is not really anything um, to be that worried about. Um, they seem to have recovered from a very poor Betfred Cup campaign. Yeah, the group they had in the, uh, in the Betfred was was difficult. It was Dundee United, Ross County, Arbroath, uh, and... Was that just it? No, there's five teams five and Alwa. That's a pretty that's a pretty tough group as a, as a League Two club can probably get. Um, obviously, over the summer, lost um, three of three of the mainstays from from last season. Thomas Riley, who was far too good for League Two, he's gone to Forfar. League One, Cameron Eady's gone to uh, Peterhead, and Jordan Allen's gone to Sterling. So those two have stayed in in Division. Um, and actually, Elgin's recruitment has been was there didn't seem any rhyme nor reason to it, but it's actually been pretty sound. Aside from David Banjo, who we released today after he'd gone on loan to Rothus. Um, well, so, yeah, you know, he signed up from Selkirk, and Selkirk are not very good. Yeah, yeah, and he um, crashed his car. I think is one of the things. Um, but yeah, we've got Craig Beatty playing centre half, and he's been really good. Actually, yeah. I was really surprised. Um, so, well, the signings actually this season has allowed an element of tactical flexibility with Elgin. Normally, it's been a flat back four for um, probably since they arrived from the Highland League, um, and then there might be a bit of a change in midfield. But um, but this season, even at Berk a couple of weeks ago, they played um, three at the back with wing backs, which is as far as um, the 
as Elgin go, that's a tactical innovation. Um, and so being, being playing a back three of um, Craig Beatty in the centre with uh, Daryl McCarty to his left, who is still Daryl McCarty, doing Daryl McCarty things, and um, David Wilson, who's this young, uh, scared-looking deer uh, of a, of a uh, I think he's 18 or 19, uh, looks terrified, but it was it was had a flawless game against Berwick, and he's been really good. Um, he's got a lot stronger than he looks and, and things like that. So the, there's Elgin now, at least defensively, look not bad. They've got um, Kyle Gourlay on loan from Dundee, oh, yeah. and it looks good. I mean, Elgin's um, life with with goalkeepers is um, is, is like Hibs, Hibs and, <laughs> like Hibs and goalkeepers. So uh, there's always an uncertainty around whether he's going to chuck one in, but he seems quite good on his feet. Uh, good, comfortable the ball at his feet and, and quite confident. So, that's, so do yeah, so it's he's, it's only a matter of time before he chucks one in. Probably this weekend. He's a little bit shorter than most goalies. Yeah, he is, but he's yeah. but he seems to be quite organised. And actually, Elgin now have uh, strangely a, a backup keeper who actually might replace Gurley in time. Um, Thomas McHale, who we signed from uh, Truro City, which must be the longest transfer uh, in terms of distance going. Mm. Uh, and that's because he's got family that have moved up to Forest and he's staying there and stuff and he's got quite a good pedigree from from Turo City Turo whatever um, Cornwall yeah, Cor- from Cornwall he's quite a good pedigree so um, we'll see what happens with him so what I actually feel him quite, quite good defensively what about Greg Morris our own one from Ross County he uh, I've only seen him once so far this season that was getting against Berk he scored two goals he was really good um, I'm he's, sure he played a couple of times in the in the Premiership. Yeah, I think I think he has. Like, so he's uh, he's he's a he looks probably a little bit too good for League Two, but I can't imagine he will be. You never know, but I would be surprised if he he stays at Ross County full time. Um, he is an out and out striker, and so that has had a slight impact on Shane Sutherland, um, who had, was out for over a year um, with with a really bad injury. Uh, and he came back, and he was basically uh, the silver lining on Elgin's season last season. But um, he's now playing a bit deeper, which doesn't necessarily suit him. Um, and that was uh, Shane Sullivan coming deep uh, was one of the reasons why he ended up leaving the club in terms of like he's, he's, he's desperate to do stuff, um, but ultimately then puts a bit too much disc space between the, the the striker at the end um, up front. Um, so it's been interesting. There's been persistent rumours that um, Sullivan is about to go on loan. To a team, to clubs in League One, and it will be literally then followed by a transfer in January. Whether that happens, um, it would be interesting. I think it would be a shame for Elgin because I think Sutherland will be the difference between Elgin being uh, just missing out in the playoffs and being a playoff side. So is, is that what the hopes are, playoffs? I think it has to be every season. I mean, I, I, keep, um, I know it sounds like a broken record, this, but Elgin are an underachieving club. I mean, it's been still. Us and uh, and Annan are the only two clubs that have not been out of the division since being promoted. Well, the only and, club to be selling season tickets from the back. Of yeah, the but, yeah. And, and the thing is, that Elgin like it's a big city. Like it's still it, the average attendances are still higher than most teams in League Two and and higher a number in League One. But there is it's still a, a little bit of a tin pot mentality. You've like even like so. There's big things happening in there. Like you, know, I'm not sure if you've seen like the RAF. Lossy Mouthly has now been invested in the US uh, Navy investment, so that's a prime opportunity to get in, like, bored American Navy people to come like, and maybe get the love affair out of the club. But, like, you know, it's a, sometimes it's, if you go on their Twitter feed, you wouldn't, you know, there's a game coming to take place, and then there's no, there's no reference to results. 
There's no like, there's no like, they don't do match reports on the website and stuff like. That. So like, and the Elgin is, is a population twenty seven thousand or whatever. Like, it's quite this, but like, there's, there's quite a big Elgin diaspora around the around the rest of Scotland, and yet they don't seem to tap into that and think, oh, I might need to keep people in touch with the club. So I mean, every season is is they should be uh, looking for the playoffs, and it's just a shame. Well, with that, with Peter Heads. Uh, being down because they're Peter Head, like they're obviously going to be favourites. Clyde are, are, are still like far too good at this level um, f- with some of the players they have. I just so I just want to finish uh, we'll finish up there, but um, Elgin have got a game in hand because they called the counting game off. Why was that? Uh, rocks on the pitch. That's all I need to know. Don't it's bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very dry summer apparently. <laughs> right, that's uh, that's us. We're going to go on to the uh, Patreon Patreon. Uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, I just hear Sean on my head. Just now, because we're going to get pay an old kind of fifteen minute, quick fifteen minute old to shit housing, and all those wonderful shit houses. That'll be worth your time. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much for listening. We um, are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Instagram. I've been quite uh, poor on Instagram recently. Uh, You're back from your holidays now, though. So. Yeah, so I need to pick up again, and um, email us. Show no. Terrace podcast. Terrace podcast at gmail.com. What a fucking disaster this ending has been. But thank you very much. Say goodbye, Duncan. Goodbye. Ciao. The treble is on. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.